You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 117, Toxic Mold and Your Basement. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, Neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Steve, I can't believe it's already August. Yes. Yep. August 2nd. It's crazy. It's really smoky for our listeners that live out west. They probably have noticed it for quite a while. Yeah. It's really smoky and it's been really, really warm. Unusually warm. Yep. But it's not. I mean, for our temperatures, it's actually not that much warmer. It's just that we're not getting much moisture, so... Yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy, but it won't be long. You'll be complaining how cold it is. Yeah, it will. And, It'll be the tundra. Yep. I'll be out having to plow snow and the life of Wyoming, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So today we're talking about toxic mold in my basement. So where, where did this idea come from? Well, we just talked about foundations. And, uh, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, the next episode after talking about wood foundations... I wanted to address the basement. You know, a lot of our listeners have basements. Maybe there's a lot that don't. Um, but as you very well know, it's it's rare for us to do a mold mitigation job on a property that has a basement when there isn't any mold in the basement. Yeah. So my point is, is it's nine times out of ten, if there's a basement in, on a home and we're doing mold mitigation, part of that basement is always involved. And is that just because the basement is a damp, cold place? Uh, That's one of the reasons. Um, uh, uh, For me, in my opinion, it's just because it's below ground level. Okay. So you have it that it's damp. You have, obviously, the wetness. It's going to be wet because one one of the most common defects I find on a mold inspection is improper grading. Okay. So that water eventually makes its way down there. And like I said, it could be... You know, there could be a bathroom or a kitchen above it that had a water pipe leak. 
some people there there's a lot of clients I deal with that they have a full basement but it's not finished and a lot of people don't finish them I'm not I'm the kind of person if you're gonna have a basement you might as well finish it and use it but that's very very true so um it and there are different types of basements right daylight basement full basement walkout mm-hmm. basement does yep. that does the kind of basement it is have any impact on mold's ability to grow in it or no? I would say that if, if it's a full basement, so there's no walkout or daylight, um, a daylight basement for our listeners, what I'm saying when I say daylight basement is your your foundation steps down because you've built into a hill. Yeah. So like say one side of your basement, let's just say the north side of it's a full foundation wall. On the west wall, once you get like halfway going south, it drops down to a half wall. And then maybe the full south wall is just all, it's all flat, which would make it a walkout daylight. Um, But another thing with a walkout, sometimes people put a walkout basement in on a lot that's not built into a hill. And in my opinion, if if you're going to, if you want a walkout basement, so if there's any egress in that basement... It has to be done into a hill because if not, if you think about like our property right here, if you had a walkout, like you'd have to dig and put, you know, a foundation or a retaining wall so that you can walk out of your basement. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And when they do that, they don't typically have a drain at the bottom of that stairwell. It's just, it's very problematic. So for our listeners that are, are, you know, looking at building, if you do want any sort of egress, walkouts, what I, I refer to it, make sure that you're building into a hill. Okay. And if you're not, and it's a stairwell that goes from, let's say, your backyard into the basement, mm-hmm. and you have retaining walls up, make sure at the bottom that there is a drain and you have proper grading, but that drain at the bottom needs to uh, go to a sump pump. Remember we watched... Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was uh, uh, one of those shows on the DIY network. And remember, there was an issue with that uh, that entrance into the basement. And they couldn't figure out how to get the water pumped oh, out of right, there. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's okay. right. And I, I explained to you, like, everything they did wrong. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going to do my point is, if you're going to do a walkout where you have to build retaining walls just for that egress, the stairs that take you out, make sure you have it all done properly. Absolutely. And so how often when, when you go into a home where there's a basement, how often would you say there is a mold problem? I mean, if there's a mold problem, the rest of the house, how often is it also, you said pretty much always. Oh yeah. I'd say 90%, 95% of the time. Wow. Wow. Because like I said, you know, let's just say there was a, a moisture intrusion event on the what I would call the main level. So you have your basement, main level, sometimes a second level. Let's say your your main hallway bathroom had a tub leak. Well, that water is going to make its way down into the basement. Mm-hmm. And and if the basement is not finished, then it's not going to do any damage. But just think about if that basement's finished, that water from that tub came into the ceiling of the basement below, probably ran down that wall. So now, you know, if there's a bedroom or a family room, there's mold on the backside of that wall. So it's common. If you have a basement, um, homes have defects, water pipes leak, water pipes break. It's very likely, and our listeners that have lived in the same home for a long time, when I say a long time, probably more than five, ten years, 
they've probably experienced some sort of moisture intrusion event in their basement. Absolutely. And so in in cases where there there is some sort of moisture intrusion event in a basement, I know you were talking about you don't know why people would have an unfinished basement, but in my mind, you could figure out that you have a moisture intrusion problem in an unfinished basement much quicker than you could in a fully finished basement with sheetrock all over the place, carpet down, don't you mm-hmm. think? Oh, it, yeah. Okay. Most definitely. I mean, it it's common, you know, so when I was a contractor building homes, it's common for us as contractors to not finish a basement. And we do that for cost reasons. Well, now that I've transitioned, obviously, to the whole inspection and mold side of it, I tell clients that I consult with, if you're building a new home, it, it would make sense, unless you have to finish that basement, to finish it in a year or two after you move in. Because that gives you time to see what's going to go on. Oh, okay. And that way you can see what kind of issues you're having. Is it groundwater issues? Is it grading issues and it's coming through the foundation? Things like that. Because typically in a basement that's not finished, the only thing you have down there that's cellulose is that bearing wall down the middle. And then maybe you'll have a water heater or furnace or whatever. But for the most part, there's nothing down there if it's not finished that'll get wet except for the bottom of the stairwell or that bearing wall. That that, that makes sense. Now, uh, I noticed that most people in an unfinished basement will use the unfinished basement as their storage and put all of their leftover boxes, all of their things, a lot of cellulose materials. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend that given that so much of what's upstairs could cause a serious problem at some point in an unfinished basement? Well, if you're going to do that, I would recommend that whatever you're storing is elevated. So okay. it's on pallets. Ah, okay. And try to get it towards the center of the home. Okay. Don't go stuff everything in one corner over there because if you do that and the foundation's got a crack and water's coming in, you're going to have a major issue and you it's kind of being blocked. Just like we see on a main level when there's a dresser in the corner. Exactly. Which... Most of us have that. You just, you can't really see if there's anything going on behind that. And so, so if, if they're going to use it as storage, make sure you have pallets. And, you know, if you can prevent, prevent, uh, to prevent a mold issue, don't put it below like a bathroom. But, you, you know, at the end of the day, you shouldn't have those kinds of leaks. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So is there any advice that you have in terms of building materials if somebody's going to finish an unfinished basement. Yeah, so if you're gonna, you know, there, there's a lot of companies nowadays that are using a, um, an epoxy for their floors. Oh. You've seen that, yeah. where they do all sorts of fancy things, and more or less, it's just a concrete floor. That's obviously a great route to go, um, but non-cellulose materials is a good route, like tile. Well, what if you want carpet? Well, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. You just you put your pad down and put your carpet down, but make sure when you're doing all this, like we talked about earlier, if you move into a home, the basement's not finished, pay attention to those water stains and what's happening. Cause once you finish it and you put carpet down there, once that carpet's all wet, you probably got some serious issues in the walls and everything. Yeah, so, okay. so I'm not saying don't use carpet. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of us love carpet in the basement, but if you can, non-cellulose materials are obviously the best. 
And I would assume hardwood floor, since it's wood, is still cellulose. Yeah. And laminate is still cellulose. Yep. Which is what most people want in their yeah. basements. Well, and a big difference, though, so laminate, laminate's a... Uh, Typically, we, we refer to it as a floating floor, and it's because it's not attached. Okay. Meaning it's not secured to the concrete or to the floor itself. Okay. It's that way on any level. Whereas hardwood, we nail that and attach it to the subfloor. Well, hardwood floors, back when I was building, if, if anybody wanted hardwood in their basement, for the most part, I tried to talk them out of it. But... The way we did it, and I'm sure there's other contractors that don't believe in this, but you pretty much have to build a false floor so that you have something that you can nail the tongue and groove to, if that okay. makes sense. That makes sense. Because you can't just set it on the concrete. Exactly. It's not floating like laminate is. Exactly. Okay, that that makes sense. So you would say don't do hardwood floors in your basement. No, no it's, it's expensive, <laughs> Yeah. Well, especially these days. It's expensive for the materials, period. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's just you're if, if you have you're having to build a subfloor, it's just or a false floor is what I call it. It's just a pain. I would not recommend hardwood in a basement. So it'd be better to go with laminate. You still get the same look, exactly. but it's a floating floor. Yep. yep. Go with like I said, you know, go with laminate. It's a lot cheaper. Um, you know, tile, like I mentioned before, you can hire a company that comes in and literally you could probably do it yourself. You know what you're doing. You just put a finish on the floor. Like you, you, know, you, you can get epoxy finishes like for garage floors and stuff like that. But non-cellulose materials is the best way to go. And in terms of um, techni- te- technology in the basement, obviously lots of people, when they finish a basement or if they build a house with a finished basement, they have a media theater room down there, right? So you got the big screen, you got the fancy chairs, we want to put a voiceover room in our basement when we build it. That There's a lot of expensive, uh, you know, equipment. electronic equipment in there. Right. Do you have any recommendations for people who are planning that or who already have that in terms of they can't predict when a moisture intrusion event is going to happen. So what should they do about their electronics? Well, to, you know, the first and foremost, you'd want to prevent those moisture intrusion events. So I say simple and it's not that hard to do, but one of, the most common defects I talk about all the time is improper grading. Yeah. So make sure you have the proper grading. If you're going to do, let's say, a voiceover room, and I know it sounds counterproductive, but I wouldn't put it below like a bathroom. I would put it below a bedroom uh, okay. where there's no water sources above it. Okay. Um, you know, and like a theater room, a lot of times you have the, the I call it stadium seating where the it kind of steps up for each row. Say you have two, three rows, it steps up. Um, but make sure, you know, let's just say in a theater room, I, I, I would be hesitant to put all your electronics on that exterior wall. Okay. Because if water comes in from the outside, yeah, you, it's yeah. a vulnerable wall to have everything on. You'd be better off putting it on an interior wall, if okay. that makes sense. That does make sense. So it's... There's just little things like that that a lot of people don't think about when they're building. And, you know, one of my books is it's my latest book because I'm not very quick at writing my books <laughs> like you are. But anyhow, it's building a mold-resistant home. And a lot of people don't think about mold or think about those things that we just talked about when they're putting a theater room in. 
They don't think about all those electronics getting wet until it happens. Correct. So, you know, you just, a little bit of thought into something. I mean, you, you could spend a couple days thinking about how you're going to do things, and it could save you a couple thousand dollars or thousands of dollars, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in equipment damage. Absolutely. So you've talked about uh, making sure that the grading is acceptable. What about some pumps in terms of prevention? So a lot of homes, you know, a lot of it obviously depends on where you live, groundwater issues. Um, up here where we live, there's, you know, we don't typically, unless you're building next to the river, you don't have groundwater issues. But in a basement, if you have water coming up, and the way to know it's groundwater is it's coming up right below the slab. It's not coming in from the walls, meaning the exterior grating. It's coming from underneath the slab, and so obviously you would want, if you don't have one, you'd want a sump pump installed, and then obviously that gets piped to the exterior. But make sure, if you're going to do something like that, that you check that sump pump. I mean, if you just think about an unfinished basement, and I see them all the time. You have a sump pump down there, but nobody ever goes down there, and you know, a couple years later you go down there and there's a major mold problem because the sump pump wasn't working. But you never went down there, so you didn't you didn't listen to me when I said your spring and fall checklist. <laughs> so it is something that, you know, sump pumps are there for a reason. Make sure that they're operating properly. Absolutely. So what, what else is your call to action for people after listening to this episode? Well, you know, one of the things we have in the mold box is a humidity gauge. And every every time I'm doing an inspection or a consult, I always tell my clients, you need to have a especially in a basement, you need to have at least one humidity gauge down there. If not, you should have several, but monitor that humidity. If you see that humidity's getting high this time of year, obviously where we're at, it's it's so warm. If, if the humidity's high, there's a reason, which would mean there's a water leak. Mm-hmm. So your humidity gauge, is a, it's, a, it's a great instrument or tool, whatever you want to call it, to, to keep, you know, a surprise mold infestation, I guess, is the best way to say it. But that humidity gauge is not going to do you any good in that basement if you never go down there and check it. That's true. And you also can get, um, I have a client that I'm dealing with right now, that they have some issues in a crawl space. You can get a humidity gauge that's Bluetooth, just like that little gadget you have on the wall over there. Mm-hmm. It's got a little thing that's outside, so it tells us the outside temperature and humidity. You can do the same thing inside the home. Instead of putting that sensor that's on the outside, you can put that down in your crawl space or your basement. That way you can monitor it from up here. Okay. But if you don't monitor it, it does you no good. It does you no good. Yeah. And and speaking of the mold box, I think that's another preventative measure to always keep on a closet shelf. Because yeah. you never know when you're going to have signs of a moisture intrusion event. And you also want to learn how to conduct your own CSI investigation and keep your documentation and everything in the mold box, which we won't give all the contents away and what's in it, but everything in that mold box is actually perfect for people who really want to stay on top of mold concerns in their home. Exactly. Yep. And like we talked about last week, a virtual property assessment is a great thing to do too. Absolutely. And you can check those out at cnccontractorservices.com. Just look for the mold box and also look for consulting services and you'll find the virtual property assessment. Exactly. We're trying to get everything covered so that our clients, you know, we can offer everything possible. Absolutely. And you can get the best of service no matter where you live. Exactly. There you go. We will catch you on the next episode. 
prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.